Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. We're going to do things a little backwards this morning. We have uh, Benjamin and uh, Ella are going to share and what's going on in their life. And uh, uh, I'll add a little bit out of the bag. They are in the process of moving, some of you may know, uh, to get prepared for the mission field and some of the things that they need to do. So they're going to share more about that. We are taking a special offering um, and you can put that in any of the offering box um, just to bless them, encourage them, just to say we love them, to send them off uh, to help them with some of their expenses and encourage you to do that. Well, as we go to God's Word, we are finishing up. I said that last week. We're going to go really fast uh, through our notes. And, uh, and if I skip and miss something, uh, our, uh, our amazing uh, lady up there in the balcony will keep us straight in the notes up there. But I'm going to try to get through quickly this morning so we can hear uh, from Benjamin and Ella this morning. And we want to love on them and, and bless them this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time in Ecclesiastes, uh, looking at life. It is a, a one big long sermon, and we get to hear the conclusion of that sermon this morning. We get to go over that again and just finish that and talk about the importance of the conclusion of the whole matter. I pray that you would press upon our heart your very words of life, your wisdom, the essence of what it means to be a believer, to love you, to follow you. Lord, I pray that our church, as it is growing and as a family, that as a family we would love our Father. This church is a family because you are our Father that has adopted us through our salvation, through the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for our sins, who provided reconciliation with you, who canceled the debt of sin. So, Lord, may that aspect, that love, that fear of you grip our hearts as we learn to love you more and more. Lord, may we trust you with the day, with our hearts, with our thinking, with our emotions. May we give that to you and just love you more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12 uh, in verses 9 through 14, we'll read that. Of course, we're looking at verses 13 and 14 uh, this morning. But as we read these words, may you focus on what God is bringing to our hearts this morning by way of instruction for our life, for our walk, for our love for Him. May we not take these words for granted. May we not just say, well, this is just another sermon, but may we listen to our Father which is in heaven. May we bow to His holy name. Verse 9, he says this, in addition to being wise, being wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered, searching out and arranging many proverbs. The preacher, that is Solomon, sought to find delightful words and words of truth written uprightly. The words of the wise are like goads. They, they prompt us, right? They, they poke us. They remind us of God and God's greatness. But he says, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. That means 
They hold all things together. They make the things of our life sturdy. They are given by one shepherd. Isn't that amazing? As Solomon talks about the shepherd, about Christ and about God. But in addition to this, my son, be warned, the making of many books is endless and much devotion to books is wearisome to the flesh. The end of the matter, all that has been heard is this. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is the end of the matter for all mankind. For God will bring every work to judgment and everything which is hidden, whether if it is good or evil. Paul said something to regarding this in Romans 3, 9 through 18. These are familiar words. These are words that often we go to when we think about our salvation, we think about the gospel. They're, these words are very similar to the conclusion of the whole matter which Solomon has brought to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9, he starts off and he says, what then? Because culturally, significantly, talking about Jews and Gentiles, there's this great divide. Jews that were separated by God, that were God's chosen, right? That the law of God was given to which Christ came through the Jews. And he's speaking to the fact that religious set of people that are focus on a bunch of religious rules and things, but yet then he says these words in verse 9 of Romans 3. He says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jew and Greek, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God, right? Just as Solomon said earlier in chapter 11, no one knows everything. We can never truly understand all that God is. But listen to verse 12. He says, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. He repeats all that we've heard in Solomon, that all things in life are worthless, Isaiah said the very same thing. This is a quote directly out of Isaiah that every good thing is as filthy rags in the sight of God. No one is righteous. Not even one. In verse 13 he says, Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Their venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruins and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. This sounds a lot like our current culture, doesn't it? <laughs> we look at the news. I mean, this could describe the very news and what you watch. I try not to watch the news very often. I read a lot of the news, so that way I don't have to get a lot of the drama with it just to stay current and see what's really going on. But yet, we see the plight of mankind. We see our very own plight and why we need Christ. In verse 18, he says this, in Romans 3, he says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
We say, well, what is really the problem that we face today? Why are the things that we see so hopeless? Why is there so much problems? Because there is no fear before anyone. There's no fear of God before the eyes. And Solomon is saying the same things Paul is saying in Romans 3. We can pursue all things in life, whatever all things are, but we can pursue all those things in life, but it is all meaningless if we don't fear God, if we don't have that childlike fear, right? That was the first thing that we talked about last week is that the true fear of God is this childlike fear, this that he is our father, that we are sensitive to how great, how holy God is. Solomon said in verse 8 of Ecclesiastes 12, he says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. That's why Paul was saying, there is none righteous, no, not one. Without God, without the fear of God, before their eyes, there is no peace. John Murray, back in the day, he said this. He said, the fear of God is the very soul of godliness. You want to live a godly life, the fear of God is that. Without fearing God, we, there is really no reverence. There is no true love of God. There is no true relationship with God. It's very essence of that. In our text in verse 13, a lot of the, the translations, they say the whole duty of man. But duty isn't even in the text. There is no word for duty. In fact, the reality is this, is that it is the very essence. It's the whole of man. It's the essence of man. A current preacher, uh, he's well on uh, in age now, but Jerry Bridges, he said this in a very good book. If you want to read a very well-written book about the fear of God, he, this is the title, The Joy in Fearing God. Right? There's a very immense joy in it. And he said this, The person who fears God seeks to live all of life to glorify God. All the activities of his life should be pursued with the aim of glorifying God. The true fear of God is a childlike fear. We, you know, the fear of God, the very essence of our life. Oop, sorry, pushed the wrong button. <laughs> Thank you. It affects our life. There's great joy in the fear of God. Because it's the very essence of our God. We talked about this last time. It produces holiness. It produces integrity. It continues to produce obedience. Without the fear of God, we can't obey. That's why he says, fear God and keep his commandments. Jesus said the very same thing. Love God and obey my commandments. If you love me, you will Keep my commandments. That's the very essence of loving God is that very fear of God. It creates obedience. It produces courage. The fear of God drives away the fear of man. That's why so many missionaries 
long to be on the field. It's the very essence of what a childlike faith of Arwen said when she says, I want to go back to the mission field. It wasn't the fear of cancer. It was the fear of just simply not obeying the call of her father in heaven. She loved more than being cured. She loved the Lord and serving people. It produces courage. It produces a desire and vision for missions to love people, to share the gospel, to pursue people with the love of God. It produces true understanding. It helps direct us back to the Lord. Did you know there's a lot of blessings? We're going to see this next week in in Psalm 34, but I don't want to take away the thunder of the one that will be sharing that. But God gives us provision. The more we fear God, He provides for us. Psalm 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, O His saints, for those who fear Him lack nothing or lack no good thing. There's blessings in fearing the Lord. He provides for us. The more we fear the Lord, Proverbs 19, God protects us. Psalm 103, verse 11, the more that we fear God, we see God's love surround us. Psalm 31, we see God's grace. We realize that we don't deserve anything, but God loves us anyway. We see the abundance of God. Rather than seeing all the things that we want or don't have, we realize that we have way more than we deserve. Proverbs 22.4. Psalm 150 or 145. He says, He fills the desires of those who fear Him. He fills the, the desires. He hears the cry and He saves them. God responds when we fear him as a childlike faith he responds just like a father responds to his son who cries you 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 know that i mean i can sit there and i can be talking and i hear the cry and i i just look up and i kind of listen and i'm like is that mine who's crying right as the father hears many times i listen i'm like oh that's not mine. It must be one of Raul's. <laughs> but now it, I, I listen and I'm like, I don't recognize that cry. Maybe it's a Burdan or a Brinkley's. <laughs> I'm like, who is that? You know. But a father's ear is attentive. The more that we fear God, we have God's attentive ear. He hears our cries. He understands. And we understand him. Proverbs 16 and Proverbs 25, we actually feel free the more that we fear God. But you know, here's the the real thing and the crux of it. We say, well, pastor, we need to fear God. Yes, we need to have a childlike faith and love for God. It drives out the noise and the things going on in our world. It gives, it completes, it gives us the true essence of being one of God's children. It it helps us to walk in love 
to walk according to the gospel, walk according to what God has called us to be as his children. It helps and everything. But you do realize that we naturally don't produce fear of God in our life. You cannot work at it. You know you need it, right? Now, Rob preached this passage, uh, not this passage, but he preached a long, uh, last summer, almost a year ago, I think now, is that we need to fulfill God's mission, right? We need to share the gospel. We need to go make disciples, teaching them all the things that he has commanded us. But we just can't do that on our own. That brings to the third point, and that is this, is how does the Holy Spirit establish the fear of God in our life? How does he do it? Because it's the Holy Spirit that produces a fear of God in our life. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work. It's that Holy Spirit that unites our life as a child of God to our Father, which is in heaven. It's the Holy Spirit that does a work that we can't do. I've seen so many believers over the years work so hard to be a good Christian. And they work and they work and they work and they get depressed. They burn out. They get frustrated. And they lose their joy. They don't feel like they're free. They, they feel like God is hard. They're kind of like that servant who just put the talents in the ground and hid and feared God. And they run from God. They struggle with God. They have no joy in fellowship with other believers. Right? And they leave the church. Why? Because they try to produce something that they themselves cannot do. And that's where we're at is how does the Holy Spirit establish the fear of God in our life? You know, the Holy Spirit is important. 1 Thessalonians 5, it's so important that Paul said this, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench. Do not douse the Spirit. Do not cover up the Spirit. It's like a, a blazing fire. And you go out and you throw dirt on it or you throw water on it. Right? And you, and you put the fire out. And that, that's the idea is that God has put His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in our life to produce this fear, to produce the walk. And yet we tend to douse it with things, with people, with possessions, with power, with authority, with pleasure. We douse it. To where we don't listen or respond to the Holy Spirit. Paul says again to the church in Ephesus. You remember, the church in Ephesus was the one that loved God. That was, they loved God. They, they followed the Spirit and he taught them in, in verse 30 of chapter 4 in Ephesians. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not cause the Spirit to, to cry, to, to grieve. Not just to cry like and to shed a tear, but to that, that grieving process where deep inside you heave, right? You know, you know that times where you actually really, it hurts when you cry and it just hurts. You sob, you can't breathe. And 
he says, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. And in doing that, to walk that walk, he says, don't grieve the Spirit. Don't douse the Spirit. Don't, don't do that. The Holy Spirit is important. Right? And this is the, the thing that the Holy Spirit does. He opens our eyes to the full greatness of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't see, we don't understand God. If we grieve the Spirit, if we quench the Spirit, then we, we basically, in a sense, God opens up our eyes to know that we need Him, we get saved, and then we cover Him back up and we don't enjoy the fear of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 16, it's a long passage, but Paul is teaching us about the very nature of the Holy Spirit and the fact of what He does in our life. In verse 6, he says, Yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom. And he says, Although it is not a wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a sincere and hidden wisdom of God, which God decrees before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understand this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, no eye has seen nor have heard, no heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. In verse 10, all these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The Spirit knows all things. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them or to understand God because they are spiritually blinded or discerned. But we have the mind of Christ in verse 16. The Spirit opens our eyes to see God, to understand God, to realize He is great and greatly to be praised. How do we even know to fear God? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. In fact, in Ephesians 2, remember Paul said that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were enemies to God. But yet, the Holy Spirit came in and breathed into us life. The Holy Spirit is so important. We need to cultivate to spend that time in prayer and in the Word, to cultivate that relationship, to listen intently to the Lord. How do we do that? Through prayer and the Word. We talk to God in prayer, and He responds in His Word. And we hear from God, and we cultivate that relationship. Because here's the, the very thing. How does the Holy Spirit establish fear? to have that childlike awe of God, to run to God when we sin and we need forgiveness, to run to God when we cry out and need help, when we need to hold on for dear life because life has just devastated us. There are many in our church even now that understand this. And that is, how does the Holy Spirit drive us to the fear of God? Because he does this as our helper. If you want to learn about the Holy Spirit, turn to John 14. 
as Jesus explains the fact that the disciples had learned about Jesus and he taught them, but he says that I need to go away because you need now to be taught by the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 15 through 27, it explains everything about this, that he is our very helper. Verse 15, I'm going to skim through these for the sake of time, but he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Does that sound familiar? Right? Fear God, keep his commandments. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father. Remember, Jesus is our intercessor, praying for us face to face with God on our behalf. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Verse 21, he goes on to say, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself in, the, in him. Verse 26, but the helper, the helper, we have a helper. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. Don't douse the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. Right? That's like, you know, guys, when it's time to put together the tractor, the lawnmower, the bike, the whatever that you have to put together, right? And you just set the instructions aside and you just go at it on your own. You know what I'm talking about. Some days it works and the rest of the time it doesn't. <laughs> We're like, hey, I, uh, where's the instructions? We need the helper, guys. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave to you, not my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you, but not... Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The helper. You see what the helper does? The helper gives you truth about the fear of God. When we fear God, the Spirit leads us in truth. We stand on a rock and not on sand that's easily washed away. Do you notice that not only does He give you truth, but he helps you to remember. How do we fear the Lord in the midst of storms? How do we turn to the Lord and run to the Lord? Because we remember what the Lord has done for us. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance everything that we need to remember. He did that for the disciples. For those that gave us the Gospels and gave us the Epistles. Reminded all that they have been taught. And verse 27, he gives us peace. Right? Truth, remembrance, and peace. This reminds me about, you know, the my father is bigger than your father. Right? I didn't have a lot of fatherly uh, men in my life, early on in my life. I, my mom pretty much raised me all the time. She taught me how to play baseball and I drilled her right in her, her collarbone. I think I rebroke it again. But I can't tell you how many times I beat her up 
And she was a little 100-pound nothing lady. <laughs> but she taught me how to play baseball and threw a football and played sports with me. But, I, but she always put other fathers in my life. And other guys would say, you know, my father, da 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 and, and that I say, you know what? I have this guy who takes me fishing, I have this guy who does this, and I have this guy. And I could say, I have a family of fathers <laughs> because they were in the church. The thing is, is there's a father of this world, but I, you don't know my father, the father that is in heaven. You know, we have a father. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's our helper that reminds us that the father of this age, the father of this world is nothing compared to our father who is in heaven. My father has destroyed your father, right? Yeah, your father sent my father to the cross, but my father rose again. Your father won't. You know, that's really how the, the Holy Spirit empowers us because it helps us to remember, to realize that our God is merciful and gave us forgiveness for our sin. David sung of this forgiveness many times, whether in Psalm 32 or whether in Psalm 51. One of the psalmists in Psalm 130 says this in verse 4, he says, But with you there is forgiveness. With the rest of the world there isn't necessarily forgiveness, but with you, O oh God, there's forgiveness that you may be feared. The psalmist came to realize the more that he realized the forgiveness of God, the more that he feared God, I wait upon the Lord, he said. My soul waits. And his word, in God's word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning. More than a watchman in the morning gazes out from the watchtower. He says, my soul longs and waits for the Lord. Do you realize the more you understand your forgiveness, the more you understand that you are not worthy the more that you understand what Jesus did for you, more that every day that we're driven to the cross and the cross overshadows the things of this world and we realize how truly forgiven we are and reconciled in a relationship to God, the more it produces a childlike fear and we say, oh, the love of God. Do you fear God? If you go back to the gospel and you go back and you realize that what God has done for you, the more you will fear God. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. John Newton wrote about this in Amazing Grace, right? He said, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. Not to be trembling, but to be in awe of God. It drove John Newton to change his whole life completely. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It empowers us. 
because of the forgiveness. It's the result of the gospel in our life. The result of the gospel drives us to fear God. Just as Isaiah, right, when he was lifted up before the presence of God, holy, 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 they were saying, the whole earth is filled full of God's glory. What did, how did Isaiah respond? Wow, God, you're cool. Whoa, look at that, right? No, he goes, holy, 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 woe is me, woe. For I am lost, I am undone. My eyes have seen the King of kings, the Lord of hosts. I am unworthy, he responded. I need forgiveness. God is, wow. And he laid flat before God. What did God do? He sent an angel to touch the very lips of Isaiah. And he says, and he touched my mouth. And behold, the angel of the Lord said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Forgiveness. And in that forgiveness, right? How did Isaiah respond? And he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, in his forgiveness, in the fact that his sins had been reconciled before God and atoned for and paid for. He responded and he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. Because of the very fear of God. It wasn't, he was like, Whoa, I am not worthy. And because he wasn't worthy, and because of his forgiveness, and because he stood. Not because he was worthy, he was stood because of his forgiveness before God. God raised him back up and says, you are forgiven. Now who is going to go and proclaim this forgiveness to men? That is the fear of God. You know, we get to do that every day in the church family. To proclaim our forgiveness. Do you know how we are united as a family? It is not because we are good. It is not because we are helpful. It is because of the help of the Holy Spirit and the gospel that reigns in our hearts because we are just mere sinners who are forgiven before the Lord. You know, that is what gives us great what? confidence. The verses that were read by Raul this morning in Hebrews chapter 10, I didn't give him my notes by the way, it's just how the Holy Spirit works. He read those for us this morning. In verses 10 through all of the end of the chapter, but he says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. In verse 14 he says, For by a single offering, he was perfecting for all time those who are being sanctified and saved. Listen about the Holy Spirit, verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Does that sound like what Jesus said in John 14? I will write their laws and I will give them the truth. That is the law of God. I will write them in their minds. I will help them remember. 
right? And then he adds, and, and then he adds in verse 17, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. That is peace. That is forgiveness. Truth, remembrance, forgiveness. Again, we have great confidence. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life when he brings, the, the Satan brings and says, you are guilty. You should live in shame. But the Holy Spirit says, no, you are forgiven through Christ. In verse 19, we see, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near with great confidence. That is a running to God like a little child in fear of God, a childlike love of God. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Helps us to realize how great God is. He is our helper that brings us true remembrance and peace. He brings forgiveness and helps us through that realization through forgiveness that we can be confident in all things when you are struggling, when you are hurting, when life is crashing around you. We can have confidence, not because we are good, but because we fear God, not this world. I don't know if it's on here. I didn't, it's not. But you know what? The fear of God prepares us to stand before God one day, right? Verse 14, for God will bring every work to judgment, everything which is hidden whether it's good or evil. Here's the thing, is, is that all of this, the fear of God prepares us. Will you be prepared when Christ returns? Fear God. Do you realize that He's the one that writes the law and commandments on our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit? We don't keep the commandments to be good. We keep the commandments because Jesus is good and He writes them on our hearts. Fear God, and as you fear God, you love God, and as you love God, you keep his commandments because you listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Well, I need to be done so we can hear. I want to love on our, our missionaries this morning. Do you have that abiding love of God in your life, if you don't, if you don't fear, if you don't have a desire to fear God, you have to ask yourself this very question. Are you one of God's children? Do you realize that he paid for your sins? That you don't, we don't live this in this world to be good, to try to be good because we can't be good. But Jesus is our good and he died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice as God himself we beheld the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, the very glory of God. And in that, he died for our sins and he paid for them. And he rose again, conquering sin and death to be our Savior. He saves us, but you have to respond. Do you respond to that call, to that gift? He is calling. If you haven't responded to that in 
given him your life and fall down, then you don't have a helper. You don't have the forgiveness of your sins. You don't have peace. You don't have the truth. Come to him and bow before him. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Tell him the truth of who you are and that you need him. As we pray, I'm going to close and then I'm going to invite Benjamin and Ella to come up and share with us this morning and then we're going to pray with them. And I remind you, if you can, please give a special offering. Just You can write a check out to the church or put it in the offering, cash. Put it, grab an envelope somewhere, find an envelope, drop it in the offering marked for Benjamin and Ella. It goes straight to them for their ministry, for preparing them for the ministry and what lies ahead. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this message. May we realize that the conclusion of the whole matter is this, fear you. And if we are struggling to fear you, Lord, may we ask ourselves, what have we done to the Holy Spirit? What have we done to you who helps us to understand you, to know you, to love you, to keep your commandments? Lord, I pray that if we are struggling in sin, that we'd run back to our Father to fear our Father, not to fear the sin, to be condemned, but Lord, to go and just love you, to love you and let you discipline and love us, to perfect us, to change us, to be renewed. Lord, may we fear you more. May we never stop learning to fear you. Because that is the very essence of what it means to be a believer. That is the soul that we live for every day, is to just to learn to fear you, to love you. We thank you and we pray that this will be a blessing and a time just to, to hear about uh, our missionaries, to love them, to support them, to learn how to pray for them, to be a support for them, to hold the rope for them, to help them to realize that we will always be ready to come to their aid for the life of the ministry that you've called them to. We thank you for this time. May we just enjoy this, refresh, this refreshment of sharing time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.